Hey everyone, welcome to this uh, episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode, we will discuss Alma chapter 42. So, this is the last chapter of the week, and we are going to get into mercy and justice and the atonement, and the final question that Alma perceives and that is worrying Corianton, and that is concerning the justice of God and the punishment of the sinner, for you do suppose that it is injustice that a sinner should be consigned to a state of misery. All right. Corianton's He's got, we've gone through a process here saying, Coran, you sinned. Sinning is bad. And let me tell you why. You've fallen into the mistake of thinking that there is a universal salvation. Not the case. There is a universal resurrection. The spirit world and the resurrection are different. Everyone dies. Everyone goes to the spirit world. Everyone's resurrected. But in the resurrection, there are differences. And the wicked and righteous are separate because of what they choose, because of their desires. That's a big sum- That's a quick summary of Alma 39 through 41. So now Corian's thinking, well, that seems really unfair that someone, that a child of God would be consigned to a state of misery. That seems like injustice. How's that justice? So now Alma's going to explain to him justice. So before we get into that, uh, first I want to point out great companion study for this chapter, Alma 12. Uh, 2 Nephi 2, Alma 34. All of those chapters talk about the plan of salvation. They talk about uh, the probationary time given for men to repent of our sins. That this life, the day of this life, is the time for men to prepare to meet God, right? Uh, Elder Elton Perry taught that the main purpose of earth life is to allow our spirits, which existed before the world was, to be united with our bodies for a time of great opportunity and mortality. The association of the two together has given us a privilege of growing, developing, and maturing as only we can with spirit and body united. Stop. I'm going to finish reading his quote here in a second. Some people have questions, you know, well, if I can repent later. Um, and that's even partly of what, you know, Alma taught his son. Um was not to risk waiting anymore. Verse 9 of chapter 41. Now behold, my son, do not risk one more offense against your God upon the, those points of doctrine. Amulek in chapter 34 taught the same thing. It's like, look, you, you, you have to do it now. Yes, you can repent later, but the same spirit that you have now will possess your body. So it's twofold here. First thing is, whatever spirit you have is the spirit you'll have later. So you can't say, as Amulek taught, you can't say, oh, when I get there, I'll repent. Because if you're not repenting now, and if you're not a penitent person now, you won't be then. But secondly, and importantly, Elder Perry taught, the association of the two together, body and spirit, has given us the privilege of growing, developing, and maturing as only we can with a spirit and body united. With our bodies, we pass through a certain amount of trial in what is termed a probationary state of our existence. This is a time of learning and testing to prove ourselves worthy of eternal opportunities. It is all part of the divine plan of our Father has for his children. So that's what Alma's going to teach him. Um, it's Korean saying, well, if, wait, if everyone's redeemed, if everyone, if there's this plan of redemption, how is that merciful? It seems really unfair that there's this injustice. Well, no, look, you have a time. There's a probationary time right now. Lehi teaches it to his sons in 2 Nephi. Alma teaches it to... The Zoramites in Alma chapter 34. Alma, Amulek teaches it to the Zoramites. Alma teaches it to the Ammonihahites in chapter 12. 
that the reason that a cherubim and a flaming sword were placed between Al- between Adam and Eve in the garden so that they couldn't go back and partake of the fruit and live forever in their sins. They instead had a life, a mortal life, a probationary period, a time to prepare to meet God, a time to repent, a time to turn to Jesus Christ, a time to get on and stay on the covenant path so that they could get to the end of the path where the tree of life is and partake of the fruit when they were when they are prepared so that they could partake of the fruit of the atonement of Jesus Christ and have their sins remitted forgiven and that they could become like him otherwise they would take have eaten the forbidden fruit or excuse me the uh, the tree of the fruit from the tree of life in the garden and lived forever in sin and been and, been, and the, the the whole plan would have been frustrated so Instead, we have a time, a life to live, prepare to meet God. And then, behold, it was appointed unto man to die. Therefore, as they were cut off from the tree of life, they should be cut off from the face of the earth. And man became lost forever, yet he became fallen man. Uh, They were cut off temporally and spiritually, Adam and Eve were. So, they were going to die. So, now he's teaching him. Alma teaches his son, beginning of this chapter, about the purpose of life, which is to repent prepare to meet God. And it teaches him about the two different kinds of deaths, spiritual and physical, spiritual meaning uh, separation from God, physical meaning uh, spirit away from body. But then he says, therefore is the soul. And so, I mean, in that vein, in teaching that, he says, uh, all mankind uh, brought up, sorry, excuse me. The fall had brought upon all mankind a spiritual death as well as a temporal that is, they were cut off from the presence of the Lord. That's spiritual death. Um, and it was expedient that men should be reclaimed from this spiritual death. So in this chapter, again, Alma chapter 12, he talks heavily about spiritual death and physical death. So to summarize what he teaches his son and what he taught in chapter 12, everyone dies because of the fall. Spirit leaves the body. Because of the atonement of Christ, all spirits and bodies are reunited and bodies are made perfect and restored. Okay. Because of the fall of Adam, all men are in spiritual death, meaning separated from God. Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, all men and women, all men, mankind, as you know, humans will be brought back into the presence of God and judged Now, whether or not we stay in his presence is up to us and our desires. If we wanted bad and we were bad and we did not accept Jesus Christ, we did not utilize the atonement of Jesus Christ and we did not follow him and become like him, then we will be restored to bad and to the things that we desired and we will be removed from his presence. If, on the other hand, we did good, we dealt justly and mercifully, then the plan of restoration restores us to that. When the, the when those who are uh, wicked are judged as being wicked, they suffer what Alma terms a second spiritual death. It's referred to in Alma chapter 12. That plan, that concept there of physical death, Resurrection, spiritual death brought back into the presence, so spiritual resurrection, and then a potential second death, spiritual death. 
That is what Alma is teaching his son in chapter 42. He's teaching them, we have the time, we have this life to prepare. We have this life to repent and to choose Christ. And if we do that, then yep, we, everyone will, we will be resurrected just like everyone. And yep, we will be brought back into the presence of the Lord just like everyone. But we will have good restored to us. And we will be able to stay in the presence of God. And those who don't, don't get to stay in the presence of God. And that's where justice comes in. So he, Alma uh, endeavors to teach his son Coriantan here in what I call uh, divine logic. And I'll show you what I mean here. He says, um, first, before I get to that, he says, look, therefore, according to, this is verse 13, according to the, the, to justice, the plan of redemption could not be brought about only on conditions of repentance. So I'm going to back up and he just says, look, if there was no plan of redemption, then everyone would just, we'd all be lost. But there is, and the only, only on conditions of repentance, um, can, can we, can the plan of redemption be made about? brought about. Otherwise, justice would have would have claim on us because everyone sins. So he's saying, here's how justice and mercy work. Everyone sins, but because of the plan of salvation, because of the plan of redemption, because of the atonement, we can repent. Okay. And he says in verse 25, do you suppose that mercy can rob justice? I say unto you, nay, not one whit. If so, God would cease to be God. So what happens though is that mercy pays justice. What happened at the atonement when Jesus Christ paid for your sins and mine and he suffered uh, all pains and sicknesses and illnesses and and uh, took on himself the punishment for all transgressions and sins. What happens? What happened is that he paid justice. He paid it in full. Okay. Whether or not you accept him or not. Okay. He paid it in full. Our debt now is to Jesus Christ. This is why, you may, and you may have heard this before, but I love this uh, illustration that the way that this works is similar to a child who has piano lessons. The parent pays for the piano lessons with legal tender, with dollars or pounds or euros or whatever your denomination uh, is or whatever, whatever your monetary system is, Okay. You, the parent pays for the, the the piano teacher to teach the child. The, the parent then, in return, asks the child to repay them, not in money, but in practice. By practicing the piano, by taking the lessons seriously, by practicing in between the lessons, and by improving their piano skills. Does improving the piano skills put money back into the pocket of the of the parent? No, absolutely not. But it satisfies the parent. Christ is that parent. He paid the teacher. He now, we now owe him. We don't owe the teacher. The child doesn't owe the teacher. The teacher is justice in this case. So Christ paid justice. Didn't rob, doesn't rob justice. Now, Alma, back in chapter 12, taught the people in Ammonihah that those who, the wicked who reject the Savior, reject the atonement, are are made as though there was no redemption made. And why is that? Because they didn't come unto him. And so now they are open to the, the full demands of justice. 
that justice has claim on them now. But if we come unto him, he's paid that. We don't pay it. So this is where the 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 faith and works, faith and uh, you know grace versus works comes in. We cannot, we do not pay justice. Only Jesus Christ, only and in, in and through His atoning sacrifice and His grace. But He does ask us to follow Him. He says, "You want my piano lessons." You want my my grace? Then follow me. Come follow me. And now where the restored gospel of Jesus Christ differs and where we differ from other many other faiths is that we believe and know that he has given us an exact pattern and blueprint to follow so that we can follow him. It's not just saying, oh yeah, okay, uh, yep, I follow you. That's not what he's asked. Rather, he's asked us to have faith in him, to repent, to be baptized by the proper authority, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, endure to the end, and to make and keep covenants uh, in, in his holy temple. That is the way. Those things don't pay justice. Those things don't save us. But what those things do is that's how we show him we want to follow him. That is how we show him we want to be like him. That is how we say to him, Make me yours. And when he makes us his, he's already paid justice. His grace is then sufficient. But we have to follow him and he's given us that path. So, back to Alma teaching his son Corant and and this divine logic that he endeavors in. He says, All right. With with no plan of redemption, with no atonement, everyone would be lost. But there is is that. Okay, there is a, a redemption. And now... The plan of mercy could only be brought about with an atonement. So he's saying, okay, for mercy to have claim on anything, something mercy had to pay. Because in verse 25, he tells us mercy can't rob justice. So mercy had to do something. And so there was atonement. Therefore, God himself atoneth for the sins of the world to bring to pass the plan of mercy, to appease the demands of justice. He appeases the demands. He doesn't He doesn't rob the demands of justice. No no divine law is broken or, or fractured or uh, violated. He appeases the demands of justice so that he might be a just God and a merciful God also. So, atonement made. So now there is a plan of mercy, okay? Now, repentance could not come into men except there was a punishment. So we couldn't repent unless there was some punishment waiting for us, right? And then he goes on to say, uh, how could a man repent save he should sin? And how could he sin if there was no law? So here's the, here's the divine logic. If there is, for us to repent, there has to be some punishment that we're trying to avoid. For there to be a punishment, there had to have been a a law that was violated, right? And then he goes on and says, how could there be a law save there was a punishment? So he connects those two things. Because, and even to make that point further, he says, uh... If there was no law given, if a man murdered, should, he should die, would we be afraid to murder? So he's basically saying, look, if if you had a law, let's say a law against stealing. And this is actually a great point. There's actually some statistics behind this that I can... Uh, in some cities and states in the country, in the United States, they have decriminalized like 
petty theft essentially. So uh, as long as the theft was like under like eight hundred dollars, so if there's a there's like not really any any punishment that the system has for them, they might get arrested. They'll get a little like you know citation. Maybe you have to pay like a t- something. I mean, not even that. It's just like you you catch they get them. Maybe they'll go to jail. They process them, and then they they go back. They go free with no fine, no jail time, anything. Okay. So in cities and states where that's happened, do you know what has happened to petty type of theft? It's gone way up. People know that they can steal, and there's no punishment. So this is what that's the point that Alma's making. If there is no punishment, is there really a law? No, there's not. People wouldn't be afraid of breaking it. You can say, hey, don't do that. It's like a parent who lets their kids step all over them, right? And I think all parents have probably been there in one time or another where you threaten something but then never and then never follow through. And so then your kids don't stop doing the thing, right? Because if there's no punishment, there's not really a law. So Alma makes that point. If there the, if there was no law given against sin, uh, men would not be afraid to sin. But there is a law given and a punishment affixed and repentance granted. So he says, all right. So then he starts working backwards. There is a, there is a law. And if you break that law, there is punishment. But because of the atonement, you can repent. And repentance is granted, which repentance mercy claimeth. Otherwise, justice would claim them. So... Everyone, the penitent and the non-impenitent, I don't know, the not, whatever, people who don't repent, there's a law for everyone. And there's a punishment for everyone. The difference comes that we all have a choice. And this, the purpose of this life, as stated earlier in this chapter by Alma, is to, it's a probationary period it's for us to repent. If we choose to repent, then mercy has claim on us. And uh, mercy... But God ceaseth not to be God, and mercy claimeth the penitent, and mercy become, uh, cometh because of the atonement. So, Alma says, you're, we're either, we're either going to be claimed by justice or by mercy. And again, he makes it very clear to his son, that's up to us. Remember, he's answering the question, isn't it, is it Koran's question is, isn't it unfair that the wicked would be consigned to a state of misery? That seems unjust. Alma's saying, no, it's, it is just because everyone's going to be given this chance. Everyone will be given a chance to repent and to uh, have good restored to them. And if you choose not, if you choose, then it's you're going to have restored to you your choice. How much more fair could that be? It literally could not be more fair. You get to choose. It's a, you know, the plan of salvation is like those books where you get to choose the ending. That's, pick your own destiny. That's what the plan of salvation is. And that's what Alma teaches Coranton here. Is we, it's not unjust because we, everyone will be given a chance to choose God, to choose the atonement, to choose repentance. Um, in verse 27, he, he really summarizes and says, Therefore, O my son, whosoever will come may come and partake of the waters of life freely. And whosoever will not come, the same is not compelled. So again, how much more fair is that? God doesn't make anyone do... God doesn't make anyone follow him. God doesn't make anyone not follow him. But in the last day, it shall be restored unto him according to his deeds. Verse 27 summarizes chapter 39 through 42. Men are free to choose 
to come or not to come, but whatever you choose is going to be restored to you. That, you know how he's made this full circle? That, my son Corianton, is the plan of restoration. Not that everyone will be redeemed and be saved, but that everyone will have their choices restored to them. Um, and then he closes with verse 29 and says, I desire that you should not uh, let these things trouble you no that you should let these things trouble you no more and only let your sins trouble you with that trouble which shall bring you down unto repentance. The entire purpose of my talk to you, son, Corianton, the entire purpose of me teaching you things, the entire purpose of me hitting your sins head on was to harrow you up just like I was harrowed, son. I know, I know what it's like. But let it bring you down into repentance because that is what this life is for. And if you are penitent, then mercy will have claim upon you and you will have mercy restored to you. And the great plan of restoration will be in full effect. And like he taught his son, excuse me, and it's like Amulek taught the people, in, or taught the Zoramites. If you will repent and harden not your hearts, immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. And, you know, in saying it in the same way that he's been talking in terms of plan of restoration, immediately will the great plan of restoration be brought about uh, to you, Corianton, my son. Um, and then he and then he calls his son to go back out. Remember, he had forsaken the ministry. That was another one of his sins. And so he calls him to repentance and says, Ye are called of God to preach the word. Go and declare the word. Go do it. Repent of that sin as well. And one way he can repent is by going and, and doing it, right? Changing his behavior. So, uh, and as I mentioned in the overview of this this week, Granton indeed does do that. So, uh, if I had to close and um, summarize chapters 39 through 42, I would say read verse four, 27 in chapter 42. It's a beautiful summary of, of those chapters. Uh, Alma teaches his son about uh, the fall purpose for our life, the atonement, mercy, and justice, the resurrection, the spirit world. Um, and importantly, he teaches him that we all get to choose. We, all, we are all free to choose Christ. And when we choose Christ, then we have, then mercy has claim on us. A um, few thoughts that I wanted to share that I uh, didn't get to. Uh, this is kind of a longer quote just about mercy and justice from uh, President Packer. I'll end with this says, each of us live on a kind of spiritual credit. One day the account will be closed. A settlement demanded, however casual, however casually we view it now. When the day comes and the foreclosure is imminent, we look, we will look around in restless agony for someone, anyone to help us. And by eternal law, mercy cannot be extended, save there be one who is both willing and able to assume our debt and pay that price and arrange the terms of our redemption. Unless there is a mediator, unless we have a friend, the full weight of justice, untempered, unsympathetic must positively fall on us. Uh, The full recompense for every transgression, however minor, however deep, will be exacted from us to the uttermost farthing. But know this, truth glorious uh, proclaims there is such a mediator. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Through him, mercy can be fully extended to each of us without offending the eternal law of justice. This truth is the very root of Christian doctrine. The extension of mercy will not be automatic. It will be through covenant with him. It will be on his terms. 
his generous terms, which include as an absolute essential baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. All mankind can be protected by protected by the law of justice, and at once each of us individually may be extended the redeeming and healing blessing of mercy. Again, it comes at his, as he said, on his generous terms. Not our terms, his terms. And that's why it's so important that when we see him, uh, he says to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and not, I never knew thee. He's not going to pay the debt for someone he never knew, but he will for his good and faithful servants. He will for his friends. I think of how he, what he called his apostles in the, in, on the, in the last supper in John, uh, he called them his friends and for them, he'd pay, he'll pay the debt for you and for me. If we've become his friend, if we've become his, if we've become his children, if we've taken upon us his name and always remembered him and kept our covenants, he will pay that debt. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I really appreciate it. Uh, just a few shout outs to the, to some listeners. Uh, shout out to the listeners in Highland, Utah, uh, Austin, Texas. And uh, let's do one more. Sao Paulo, Brazil. Shout out to you. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you'll join me uh, for next week's episodes. Uh, please give me some feedback. So come follow me, Disciples Journey, on Instagram. I'm going to be try to be more active on that. Uh, come follow me, at Disciples Journey Facebook group. My personal email address, jailedandwebster at gmail.com. I love your interaction. I'd love to hear from you and your thoughts, but also would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on uh, this new format, breaking it up into these uh, different chapters. Um, again, final, just really appreciate uh, those of you who tune in each week and those who participate especially. It is really, on again, a selfish sense, really fulfilling for me to have those types of engagement and talks and uh, helps to know that there's someone on the other side of this microphone as I sit alone in a room talking like an, a crazy person. So uh, I appreciate it. Shout out to my wife letting me do this uh, and to all my sponsors, you know, Nestle. I couldn't think of any. I don't really have any sponsors, guys, as a joke. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening and enjoy your study. We'll talk next week.